0: It's good to be with you this morning. I want to take you back four weeks. Four weeks ago today was Easter. Easter weekend. A lot of us had special events on Easter weekend four weeks ago. Uh, For us on Saturday, our core family was in. You know, 17, 18, 19 of us, my kids, my grandkids, my parents. We had a hectic, fun Saturday Easter egg hunt. They were with us all day, wild, crazy, soccer, all kinds of things. Sunday morning, we came to church. Sunday for lunch, my wife's family comes and joins us. And so we have 40, 50, 60 people. And it's a rowdy weekend, and we we have fun. We enjoy every part of the weekend. But then 5 o'clock on Sunday night comes. And um, somebody has to go get pizza for the crowd. And it's usually me because I like getting away a little bit. So I always go to Little Caesars. And I'm kind of peopled out, and I'm kind of burnt out after a huge weekend. So I go to Little Caesars, I order our 10 or 12 large pizzas. And then I sit down to wait in the lobby. And the young lady comes in, and she orders a few pizzas, and she sits beside me. But I say nothing to her. We just sit in the lobby. And then a guy about my age comes in. And he orders a couple pizzas, and he sits down uh, beside this, on the other side of this young lady, and they begin a fun conversation about pizza, and Easter, and holidays, and fun. And they're just having fun talking together, and I'm thinking, I should have done that. I should have started that conversation. What's wrong with me? And then my pizzas come, and so, you know, it's quite a bit of pizzas. And so I pick up the box, and this gentleman on the other side of the lady goes over and opens the door for me. I go, wow, thank you. And I think, he knows how to be helpful. But it doesn't end there. I have parked all the way across the lot, and he leaves the lobby, and he walks over and says, which car is it, sir? I want to help you open the door. So he walks all the way across the lot, he opens the door, I put the pizzas on the back seat, and he goes... Have a great Easter, sir. And I'm thinking, I want to be that guy. (laughs) I want to live like that. I want to make room in my life to learn from people like that. Now, think about this. I don't know what religion he is. I don't know what politics he supports. I don't know... How he does family. But what I know is I have something to learn from him about being helpful at Little Caesars on Sunday afternoon. (laughs) This is what our series is about for five weeks. We have something to learn from almost everyone. It really doesn't matter all of what they believe, all of where they are. Are they in agreement with us? What really matters is we need to be people who make room in our lives... Actually, for two kinds of learning, the first kind of learning I'm calling um, strategic intentional learning, and the second kind of learning I'm calling reflecting upon the surprises that God puts in your life. So followers of Jesus need to be lifelong learners who make room in their lives for two things, two kinds of learning. Jesus calls us to this, strategic intentional learning, that is putting the right things into my life, being in the right places, reading the right things, um, watching the right programs, listening to the right blogs um, that challenge me. And then two, when God does put surprises in my life, I need to be reflective and say, what is he trying to teach me when he allows those surprises so uh, the intentional learning includes uh, opening the Bible and engaging with the scriptures, reading and listening to books, going to conferences. You know, we have this uh, leadership conference coming up in August, and a lot of you come, four 400 people from our congregation go to that. So that's the kind of thing we can learn from. And then also there are surprises, both joy-filled and troubling, painful surprises that we need to reflect on. So as a follower of Jesus, I need to be a lifelong learner. Now, one of the sub-themes in this series for five weeks, I'm just gonna like pull the curtain back a little bit. One of the sub-themes in the series is we need to learn from people who are very different from ourselves. As lifelong learners, we can learn from people with different priorities, we can learn from people with different ethnicities, different faiths, different family values, different politics, different education, different genders, different ages, different gender identities, This doesn't mean we learn everything they want to teach us, but we're open to learning something from everyone. In fact, that's probably why God put them in our lives. Lifelong learning needs to be tied to lifelong connecting. Now, Jesus called his disciples with these words in the next slide, Matthew 4, 19, Come follow me, Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. And when he said that, he called a group of men who were very different from each other. And then he added some women to the mix as they began traveling and um, learning and teaching. And it was a group of very different men and women who were very different from each other and he positioned himself as a servant learner with them. And so they were called to lifelong learning and lifelong connection. Now, I've been, when I teach, I usually like am in conversations for several weeks before I bring it to the congregation, right? Most of our teachers do this. And so, as I've been in conversations these last weeks, and I've shared this sub-theme that we need to be able to learn from all kinds of people, several really good thinkers in our congregation, friends of mine, have said, Dave, this sounds like universalism or relativism. They've said, uh, these really good thinkers, they've said, uh, learning from others, no matter what they believe in or who they are, sounds like, maybe I'm saying, all religions are the same. Maybe I'm saying uh, if I'm willing to learn from someone with a different political point of view or a different gender identity, then maybe I'm saying I will stand for nothing. No, it's just the opposite. It's just the opposite of that. It's like if I'm willing to learn from a broad group of people, I can at the same time stand really strongly for what I believe and what is my experience. I'm not saying that we should be universalist, like all religions are the same. I'm not saying uh, we should be relativistic, like there's no right answer. I'm not saying that. I'm saying a lot of us could learn from a Muslim neighbor and still be strong followers of Jesus. Or I'm saying there's a lot we can learn from a person with a different gender identity about their journey, about their thinking, about their experience, about their faith, without sacrificing who I am or what I believe. And this is something we want so badly for Orchard Hills congregation. So we're giving five weeks to this. What it needs to be true about me on the inside to be a lifelong learner from Jesus. As we follow Jesus and mature in our faith, I believe we're able to learn from a broader bandwidth of people. I have a slide on this. So um, when I'm mature and secure in my faith, I can take in lots of points of views and sort them out. So it's like, as I mature in Jesus, the bandwidth of who I can learn from increases. Some of us have got it in our heads somehow, as I mature in Jesus, I will take in less and less different voices. It's not true. As I learn from Jesus, I need to be, and secure and mature in my own faith, I need to be able to learn from an increasingly broad and enter into and serve an increasingly broad population of people. Okay, now, hold hold with me here. Um, There are times at the beginning of our journey in Christ or times when we're vulnerable that we need to shrink up who we're learning from. So, for instance, when you just become a Christian, you don't want to read a bunch of books by atheists. When you just become a Christian and start your journey, and you're trying to figure out who God is and who you're to be, it's okay to have a narrower group of people you're learning from. Kind of the basics. When, I, uh, when our, we had three family members die about four years ago, and I started reading books on grief and how to handle grief, I didn't want to read some outliers. I wanted to read the main people who are followers of Christ and know about grief. And that's okay. Now, four years later, I'll I'll read some outliers. Because I've I've come to a stronger view of where I am. I'm more secure in how I'm going to grieve. So then I can read some different points of view. Uh, uh, If I'm fighting alcoholism, I shouldn't use a bar as the place that I'm going to learn. That would be dumb. Now, the Apostle Paul, if you actually think about his life... This is exactly what he did. When he first became a follower of Jesus on the road to Damascus, who were the first people he hung out with? He hung out with a very small group of the apostles. And he got his faith clear. And he talked with them a lot. And he learned from them. Then what did he do? He broadened who he would talk with. Romans, Greeks, Gentiles, non-Christians. So he started here and he got here. And what's important for us to learn is one of the ways we serve people is by hearing their stories, listening to them, asking questions, being interested. Um, Now, we think to be this kind of a person, learning from a broad group of people, interacting with a broad group of people who have different priorities, different faiths, different politics, we think in order to learn from that there are some things that have to be true inside of us. And so each week, our teachers are going to name one of those things that has to be true inside of you. And today, the one I'm naming is humility. We have to be humble to learn from a broad group of people, to have a large bandwidth of learning. Have you ever realized you have a lot to learn from the youngest member of your family? The youngest? I don't care how old they are. Three years old, five years old, seven years old. You as a dad or a mom or a grandpa, you have a lot to learn from that youngest one. You're not just a teacher. You're not just a model. You need to be a learner from those youngest ones. Now, humility, a lot of historians believe really started, this kind of humility we're talking about today started with Jesus. Let me read to you um, from uh, Philippians 2, and we've got this on the slide. Here's what it says. Therefore, if, any, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, if you have any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness or compassion, then Paul writes to this young church, then make my joy complete by doing what? One, be like-minded, have this same love for God, being one in spirit, One in mind, this is an instruction to the church, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, here it is, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking for your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Here's the Apostle Paul saying, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, and you're going to be in love with God, and you're going to be of one mind as a church, what else needs to be true of you as a church? You need to humbly put others ahead of yourself. Paul not only writes this to the young church in Philippi, but he points out exactly the next four verses. This is what Jesus did. So here he goes, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, that's a big thing. Three decades after Jesus was taken from this earth, the church uh, came to the understanding that he was made out of the same stuff that God was, that he was God with skin on, being very, in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Okay, here's the definition of humility we're using, and I think the Bible uses. Humility is deliberately lowering yourselves for the sake of others. And when Jesus taught and died on the cross, this is a humility revolution. In all of world history to this point, people were taught, leaders were taught, important people knew, you seek honor for yourself and you avoid shame and dishonor. All of world history, Greek, Roman, think about all that you know about ancient history. The job of leaders is to seek honor for yourself and avoid dishonor and shame. Then Jesus comes, and he starts to teach and model just the opposite that has actually changed our whole world. When Jesus said, hey, when you've seen God, you've seen me, And then remember what he did at that last supper? We're going to celebrate in a few minutes. He took off his outer robe. He took a towel, and he washed his disciples' feet. He dishonored himself. He broke all the historic rules. Because if you're the leader, you don't do things like that. Jesus changed how we see leadership, how we see responsibility. He changed it all. He said, humility is a part of how you follow me honor and shame were turned on their heads with jesus and this is you don't have to be a christian to, to get this out of out of world history this historian who wrote the book humilitas who spoke at the summit several years ago he said just straight up history declares this you don't even have to be a christian to see this that what happened with jesus actually changed now what's incredible is now the truth is whoever you are in our country it really doesn't even matter what faith you have in our western culture you're likely to think this you probably all think this honor seeking is morally questionable today in other words if i get up here and i go hey i think you ought to honor me by let's having a big applause right now you would go what's wrong with dave that's morally questionable But what's not morally questionable is when I lower myself to serve others. And where did this come into our world thinking? At the point of Jesus. So you and I have the opportunity to follow Jesus by being humble, by saying, there's something I can learn from every person who's in my life. Even if, in many ways, they're at a lower level than I am. Younger, less educated. Less long following Jesus, I can learn from everyone. Now, the Christian church hasn't done very well in this with the Crusades and a lot of other things where we've actually not followed Jesus well in humility. But it's important to me that you see that you don't have to be a follower of Jesus to get this. In fact, uh, Sir Edmund Hillary, when he first climbed Mount Everest, he was the first one ever to get to the peak. You know what he put up there? He only left one thing? He left a crucifix, a cross, at the top. And that would have been unheard of before Jesus. Well, one, the crucifix would have only represented a torture instrument. But two, it's like he's saying, God helped me get here. I'm not drawing attention to myself, I'm drawing attention to the one who helped me. Jesus did this over and over and over again, right? He did it on the cross. We're going to celebrate at communion. He did it when he was with children. What did he say to the kids? The disciples said, send them away. What did Jesus say? No, let them come to me. We live in a world that's busted and... uh, a bunch of leaders in business and government and churches and nonprofits don't really get this these days but one of the reasons we can have the global leadership summit at our church these days is cuz a lot of good leaders understand that leadership requires humility and servant to it and these corporate leaders who come and speak at the summit they're often saying you need to know how to serve your people in humility You need to know how to put yourself aside. So a couple of examples of how this might work, how this has worked in my life and how it works. I used to travel and speak quite a bit about student ministry. And I would come into a city and the youth directors of the city would come. And I worked with an organization called Youth for Christ and traveled with an organization called Young Life once in a while. And uh, uh, what I really was saying was that, pretty simple, the church needs to love teenagers pretty much and I would give example after example and then they would come up and say Dave where did you learn this and you know my answer the students at Cedar Falls High School taught me this they taught me this I had enough humility to say hey it's the kids I work with when I sit down in a small group with kids and it's still true who learns the most in that group I do It's true. When I sit down with my grandkids and people think Dave's teaching them something, no, I'm learning. That takes a certain amount of humility to see, hey, I can learn. You can learn. Um, uh, You can learn no matter what your politics are from people. I have a slide, Joe Biden's book. Now, I don't know your politics, right? Uh... And you don't know my politics. And it doesn't matter because Joe Biden wrote this book about the death of his son. And when I lost my son, I bought this book. I said, I want to know what Joe learned by walking through the death of his son. Right? But some of you might have ruled anything Joe Biden has to say is out of bounds for yourself because of where you are politically. Don't do that. As a follower of Christ, open up your bandwidth. I'm not going to buy everything, Joe Biden has to say. I'm not going to buy everything. But I'm going to give his voice a chance to help me. And I'm going to have an opportunity to learn from it. Uh, Here's another book that some of you will be crazy that I read this book. Uh, This is uh, uh, The Book of Joy by the Dalai Lama. And by the Archbishop of South Africa. So uh, we've got a Buddhist monk and an Archbishop of the Anglican Church who spend a week together talking about what they've learned about joy. And joy is a topic I care a lot about. I want joy to mark my life. And here's these two spiritual leaders, not from my faith, but from other faiths saying, here's what we know about joy. And it was such a great book. I really enjoyed, a lot. Here's another group of people that I learn a ton from. Uh, These are my grandkids. On Easter, uh, from 6 to 14, they have so much to teach me. Grandkids? Grandkids, yes. They're probably sitting over there somewhere, and now they're going to tell me at lunch, you know, Grandpa, what do you want to learn today? Uh, but there's a humility that's needed to say my spouse has something to teach me. My grandkids have something to teach me. It takes a humility that Jesus had and he wants to invite us into. And it's more important than being right, than being right. Right. At one of these family gatherings, uh, we have this thing in our family called the whiteboard topics, you know, where we put on a whiteboard whatever topic we're going to talk about on a given Sunday or a weekend, and a lot of them are controversial, and people look at our family and try it in their families, and it just becomes an argument, and so uh, one time one of the cousins was asking my daughter, Em, uh, how do you guys do this? How can you talk about such controversial, disagreeing topics in your family? And M had the best answer that I've, I've heard. Uh, and it was this. We value relationships over being right. And some of you have experienced this as you've raised your families, as you've raised your teenagers, as you've raised your grown adult kids. Sometimes you have to value relationships over being right. And uh, then as you journey, on that journey, valuing relationships, one day, your family member, your, your partner in business, your neighbor says to you, hey, tell me more about why you believe what you believe. In fact, this is the way I think we should be doing evangelism as a church. I think we should be taking such an interest in our neighbors and coworkers and the people that God brings into our world, we should be taking such an interest in them, so humbly asking them, listening to them, that one day they call a timeout and say, I'd like to know something about you and your faith. And when that happens, then we have a chance just to share very humbly why we've become followers of Jesus. I think this is the way evangelism is going to happen in our world today. In humility. So, I don't know what you can take from this. I don't know how you need to embrace uh, humility. Some of you probably need to start in your family and take another look at what you can learn from your adult children or your teenagers. Some of you probably need to start there. Some of you teenagers need to take another look at what you could actually learn from your mom and dad um, or your grandpa and grandma. uh, uh, uh. But in humility, become a learner. Let me pray, and then we're going to move into communion. Let's pray together. Dear God, what we're going to celebrate now is Jesus at his most humble moment. In fact, the followers of Jesus had to bring two things into focus, one that he was God, and two that he died on a miserable cross. And so, Father, help us remember well now. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, and the servers can come. Carla gave instructions. Let me just remind you. This is in the book of Mark. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, it is my body. And then he took the cup, And he gave thanks and he offered it to them and they all drank from it. And he said, this is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many. And then in the book of Luke, he says, do this again and again in remembrance of me. So what I would like to challenge you with this morning as you're holding that bread like Carla was saying and thinking or holding the cup and thinking, I would like to challenge you to think about How much humility did it take for the Son of God to allow himself to be put on a cross, allow himself to be beaten, scourged, that crown put on his head? How much humility did that take? I think it took a lot. And why did he do it? He did it for you and for me because he's with us, and he's for us, and he wanted our sins forgiven. Uh, Make room for humility like that in your life, and God bless you. Um, When you're ready, take the bread, then when the juice comes, take the juice, focusing on his body and blood and his humility. Thanks.